Let us pray. Lord, as we gather in this place, as we reflect on the word you have for us, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. It's been an exciting week to be a fan of Canadian tennis. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the U.S. Open happening in New York these last two weeks, but three Canadians made it to the semifinal, uh, various semifinals. Leila Fernandez came out of nowhere to shock the world by beating some of the best women who have ever played tennis in the last 10 years. And she is the sole Canadian who made it to the championship final last night. Now, sadly, her story came to an end. She lost last evening in a tough battle. But her story, I think, will continue for some time, especially especially since she just celebrated her 19th birthday last Monday. All week long, she kept fielding questions from reporters like, how are you doing this? And her reply was the same every time. I don't know. Which means, to me, it tells us she was very well trained. It means it's completely natural for her to handle the pressure situations she finds herself in. When you compete at an elite level, whether it's in sports or music or business or whatever, um, when you compete at such a high level, your skill only gets you so far. Layla is not the most skilled planet, uh, player on the planet, at least not yet. She's not the most skilled player. She's not the strongest. She's certainly not the biggest, if you've seen her. She's a small young lady. But she is quite possibly one of the best prepared. She works hard on her skills, of course. But she also says she has spent years, hard years, working on the mental toughness that prepared her for the biggest contests of her life. So she, on top of her skills, she worked on this toughness so that she would be mentally strong. And she's so mentally strong that you can see her opponents crumbling on the court. In fact, she beat one of the top players in the world, and they don't know if they're going to play tennis again after playing her. Layla has prepared her body physically, yes, but maybe even more importantly, she's prepared herself mentally or spiritually to handle the pressure she faces in these huge moments. And at the same time, her, opponent, her opponents are frustrated and smashing their rackets on the court. She sits there calmly, just preparing for the next point. And she kept repeating to the reporters, I don't know. I trust my game. I rely on my training, was what she said continually. Now, she's probably one of the biggest stories to come out of New York over these last two weeks. And she's been an inspiration to young people all over the world, and maybe in a few of us older ones, as she won over that tough New York crowd. And it all comes down to her preparation, her willingness to put in those difficult, long hours, that hard work to prepare her body and her mind 
for these kinds of situations. When you find yourself under pressure, under stress, how do you respond? Do you rise up to meet the challenge, or do you crack under the stress? Now, I suppose most of the time it's probably somewhere in between. It depends on the stress level. It depends on the situation we're in. Are we prepared for it? Are we experienced? In some situations, we will. We will rise up and we will meet the challenge that's before us, maybe even excel, surpass the challenge. And there will be times when we fall short. We may retreat. We may go and hide from it. We all react differently in many different situations. Now, when we look at the church, the church is in an interesting time in the world right now. I don't know what things are going to look like going forward for Carmen or for the church in general. What I do know when I talk with friends from across the country who have gone back to live worship from different denominations, what I do know is that things are changing. There is no normal that we can go back to. Things have changed too much. The pandemic has changed the world too much. For those churches that have gone back to in-person worship, most of them, if not, well, I won't say all of them, but most of them, at least everyone I talk to, attendance has plummeted. People have decided to choose other priorities in life. Sleeping in, watching TV, watching church on TV, or whatever other activities. We have spent the last 18 months sitting at home, reevaluating our lives during the pandemic. Things have changed. We know this. And we don't really know what to do about it. So if our province moves into stage five later this week, as predicted, what does that mean? What does it mean for businesses? What does it mean for schools? What does it mean for even our church? What does it mean? Well, one thing we know, that even though we might go into stage five, we know that we are still living in a pandemic. We still need to get vaccinated. We still need to wear our masks where appropriate. We still need to watch our company, keep our distance where appropriate. And we still need to figure out what normal will look like. What will it look like in a world that has been somewhat turned upside down? Now, we've known for a couple of generations that the church has not been a priority for families, right? The world has evolved. The world has changed. And the church has been slow to react to that change. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just an observation. Other priorities have, take, have gone families have chosen other priorities over the church. They've chosen other priorities even over God. So when we turn to Paul in the book of Acts, we see he faces a somewhat similar challenge because he's going to a new city and he's going to try to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people there. And he walks into the city and he sees that it's full of idols, it's full of statues and altars, all to some various other gods that are the priority for these people. And Paul is trying to give them the gift of knowing the one true God, Jesus, that we know through Jesus Christ, the one who changed Paul's life forever. 
And as he speaks, the people are curious. They want to know more about this God that Paul worships. So knowing that Paul's up a great, uh, knowing that he's up against quite a bit of competition with other deities in the city, Paul, in a moment, has this great inspiration as to how he would introduce God, his God, to these people. He points out that he knows the people of Athens, they're passionate, faithful people. He can see it. They have great reverence for their various gods, as he sees in their altars and statues. These Greek gods, they have families, they have jobs to do, they have certain roles to play. They have places where they have their authority. But Paul recognizes that there are gaps in what they believe. There are things missing. They're searching for something. And as Paul walks through the city, he, see, he comes across this altar that's dedicated to an unknown God. And here is his entry point into teaching the people about the God that he loves and knows. For everything that they don't know, for everything they are searching for, Paul has found an answer. And he uses this moment to teach them about his God, our God. A God that is not unknown, a God that is not hidden. And Paul says, and my version is a little bit different than what uh, Carol read, it says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined, determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should ask, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So often these other gods, like the Roman and Greek gods, they are so distant. They're living in some sort of heavenly realm. They're un, they're, they're, this, this, this heavenly realm is inaccessible by mere mortals. They're, they're not seen, they're not heard from. They're just known by the stories that are told of their glory, their, their days of glory. This is not the way of the one true God that Paul is trying to introduce to the people of Athens. Paul tells them that this God that he worships does not live in temples. He doesn't live in temples made by humans because there's nothing God needs for us to do for him. He has done it all for us, including giving us life and breath and everything. Creating each and every one of us. And because he has created us, he remains close to us, for he sees us as his children. And as Paul continues, he shares that it is this God who has not been created by imaginations, like the other gods they worship, but is real, is present, and is with us. And our God is not angry because we've turned our back on him, but he asks us to repent and to seek him and find him. To come to him through Jesus Christ, the one whom he sent to the earth and the one he raised from the dead. Now when the people of Athens hear this, some of them begin to mock him. 
But others, they listen and they, be, and they believe. And the church is born in Athens and it grows. I believe we can learn from Paul in this story. We live in a world that worships many other things. It worships money. It worships entertainment and sports. It worships what we can even provide for ourselves, our own wealth and belonging and, and belongings. Yet even as we fill our homes with these things, we keep searching for more. We're looking for something greater. What we don't realize is what we're looking for is not something we can find in a store or even in ourselves. In many ways, the world is searching for that unknown God that Paul found in Athens. But instead of worshiping at that altar, we worship in different places, like malls and stadiums and, and, and a place called Amazon, and so on and so on. Like the people of Athens, though, I believe we and the people around us are ready to hear about God. But we cannot expect them to find him on their own. Yes, God is present. Yes, we know God is incredibly near, near to every person on this planet. But if you don't know what you're looking for, how can you know? How can you know it's him? When I was a teenager, there was a period in my life when I could not smell certain odors. And one of them was skunk spray. I could not smell skunk spray. I don't know because of my concussions or what. I don't know. But my nose, my brain or whatever just would not register it. Sadly, I grew out of that and it came back. But I'd be driving down the road, maybe with my friends, and everyone in the car would begin to choke and gag. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they'd say, it's a skunk. And I would laugh because I couldn't smell it. I wasn't suffering. It was quite handy, really. I lived in an area that seemed to be popular with skunks. So. Uh, but again, I grew out of that lovely, special gift. If someone has never experienced something, though, if, they, if they've never experienced something new, how can they know it's there? They might not know what is right around them until someone tells them. When I lead our studies on prayer, I like to get people to stop and listen and quiet themselves and, and listen and write down what they feel God is telling them in the moment. And always, someone will say, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't think God is speaking to me. And then I ask them, look at what you wrote down. Does that come to you naturally? And they say no. And then they learn in that moment God has indeed spoken to them. That God is near and loves them and wants to share with them. How will the people you encounter in your daily routine know that, life, that God is near to them if you don't take the opportunity to point him out? Now, I'm not saying you need to stand in the line at the grocery store and start telling everybody about Jesus and saying how near he is and all that, but if you want to, go for it. I'm not going to discourage that. But what I'm asking of you today is to simply realize in those moments when you're with a friend or a coworker or a neighbor, realize those opportunities when they come up. 
when they seem to be wrestling with some sort of huge issue or something in their spirit, when they're asking the big questions in life, just gently help them realize that God is there with them in the moment. And he loves them. Because that's the truth. God does indeed love them. God loves you. He loves every person you encounter every single day of your life. God loves them. And yes, even that person you try to avoid because they're a pain in the butt, yes, God even loves them. So I don't have a clue about what the new normal is going to look like in the world, in Sydney Mines, or even in our church. But what I do know is God wants people to know how much he loves them. And if we want to discover what our new normal is going to be here at Carmen, then we need to be ready and willing to find ways to share this love with those in our community that we meet every single day. When we do this as his church, we do this as his children. Paul found a simple way to share just by watching and observing what was going on in the city, what he saw when he was walking around and praying and listening. He saw what was important to the people of the city, but he also saw what it was they're missing. What do we see when we walk our streets or, or drive our streets or, or in our stores or talking to our neighbors? What is it that we see? What is important to these people? What is it they're missing? Where can God break through in the lives of the people in our community? Or maybe we need to even ask ourselves, God, where can you break through in my life, in my home, or even in my church? Maybe we need to ask that question of ourselves first at times. Maybe this needs to be the focus of our prayers over the next little while. God, where can you break through in my life, my church, my community? Even as we start to enter into stage five, maybe that's something we need to be praying about. And I hope you will be joining me in these prayers because I certainly do pray for these things. You see, God's love is abundant. God's love is never-ending. It's always, always near. May we know that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us always through the gift of life presented to us through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Let's join together in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you today humbled by the greatness of your love that you have for every single one of us, for every single person we meet every single day. Lord, we know that the needs of this world are great. We know that people have chosen other avenues, other idols, other things to worship over you. Yet your love remains near. Your love remains steadfast and true. Help us, O oh God, to recognize your presence with us 
today in our own lives, but also help us to recognize the presence of your Holy Spirit with those we meet. And as those we meet struggle with the daily routines, struggle with what to do, struggle with the big questions of life, oh God, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us this just, just the simple words that we can share that helps them realize that you are with them through it all. Lord, we pray for our church and for all churches as we seek ways to connect with the needs of our community in these evolving times. Help us to realize what it is that you would have us do, what you would have be as the new normal for the world in which we live and the world beyond. Lord, you have a plan. You have a way forward for us. You have a direction you would have us follow. You have a road that you are leading us down. And so we ask for your patience as we seek this road out with you, this way forward. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to feel your presence. And give us courage to follow you every single day. Lord, we lift up to you many things, many prayers. We pray for the people of Haiti. We pray for those affected by hurricanes of late in the Newfoundland and the southern United States. We pray for our indigenous brothers and sisters who still continue to find bodies outside of residential schools who still don't have clean drinking water in many places. And for, just, and for those who seek to just have a moderate living, a life, a way to provide. Yet the rules, the laws say no. Lord, we pray that during this election, all voices will be heard. Indigenous voices, uh, people of color, their voices, black people, the vulnerable, the weak, the homeless, the cold, the hungry. May their voices be heard loud and clear for those who are seeking to be elected to office, for they are the most vulnerable. They are, I won't say the weakest, but they're in the most need of support because often those are often, those are often the strongest people we know as they fight every single day just to survive. Lord, we pray against the racism that keeps ugling, uh, rearing its ugly head in the news. Lord, we pray that there is a realization that we are all created by you. We are all one race. We are all one people. And we are all loved by you. Lord, in these uncertain days, in these uncertain times, lead us, guide us, Give us strength. Give us courage. Show us the way forward. For all those we have prayed for, for those going to surgery, for those traveling, for those waiting for tests or results or whatever it is, God, may your healing presence be with them all. May you care for them 
and care for those who watch over them. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.